as we've been been doing so, it's interesting that uh, Jeff had uh, recommended to read this passage in the New International Reader's Version. It's part of the family of the NIV translation family, but it's written at kind of a more basic level than, than, than let's say, the NIV 84 or the NIV 2011. Jeff, you don't have that Bible with you right now, do you? You know what? what? Jeff, why don't you read 3 through 14? <laughs> because I took Jeff's advice, and I went home, and I studied it in the NIRV, and I likewise came away saying, Wow, that was like so much more straightforward and very helpful. Um, it, whatever you feel more comfortable doing. All right. It says, Give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Those blessings come from uh, the heavenly world. They belong to us because we belong to Christ. God chose us to belong to Christ before the world was uh, created. He chose us to be holy and without blame in his eyes. He loved us. So he decided long ago to adopt us as children. He did it because of what Jesus Christ has done. It pleased God to do it. All those things bring praise to his glorious grace. God freely gave us his grace because of the one he loves. Uh, we have been set free because of what Christ has done. Through his blood, our sins have been for, uh, forgiven. We have been set free because God's grace is so rich. He poured his grace on us by giving us great wisdom and understanding. He showed us the mystery of his plan. It was in keeping with what he wanted to do. It was what he had planned through Christ. It will all come about when history has been completed. God will then bring together all things in heaven and on earth under one ruler. The ruler is Christ. We were also chosen to belong to him. God decided to choose us long ago in keeping with his plan. He works up everything to fit his plan and his purpose. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Here, I, and again, because it was an encouraging day for me reading... In, in a variety of translations and spending a lot of time in this passage, I would encourage you, likewise, besides, let's say you have an NIV, I would also look at a couple other translations as you spend time studying each of the small chunks that we'll try to tackle as we go through the book of Ephesians. The NIRV is a very helpful translation. Another helpful one that's a bit more literal is the ESV, the English Standard Version, Another one that is free on the web is the NET Bible, N-E-T, and if you can get it with full notes, it gives you a whole lot of helpful hints along the way about the translation choices that it made along the way. So, again, for me, these are the kind of the go-to that I use almost all the time. N-E-T, E-S-V, N-I-V. Those three are just kind of like the core. No matter what passage I'm going to read, I'll probably tackle it through those three translations. And it's amazing how much you can gain just by looking at a variety of English translations. It won't throw you for a loop, but sometimes it'll help you to emphasize or at least see things from a different angle in a way that might be helpful along the way there. So uh, that, that would be my encouragement for you as you get a bit more serious about understanding some of these highest, most finest doctrines of the New Testament. Now... This is not going to be the easiest of all years, and we as a staff and all who will be teaching have dedicated ourselves to trying to make all of this as clear as possible, but we are, we are actually tackling words that, in some cases, end up forming entire seminary libraries. I mean, there, there are, in, I, I spend uh, time at Regent University, which is a seminary, 
And I, I like to spend time in the library there because they have so many resources. But if you go in there and you just look up predestination or election or adoption or redemption or sealed or guaranteed, marked, any of these ideas, they fill entire, not just shelves, but full bookcases in, in theological libraries. So it's no wonder that as you have all of this kind of thrown on you in a mere you know, 11 verses, that you'll, you'll, you'll probably feel like you know, the proverbial fire hose is, is you know, kind of gushing your way as you're trying to drink it all in. It, it, we, we all feel that way. No matter how mature we are in Christ, all of this ends up becoming a bit uh, difficult. And so what we want to do, especially in this first section here, because the theological words are coming at you from every angle. And just as you think you've kind of, all right, I think I've got the idea of adoption down, you know, then, then suddenly, boom, you know, predestination, chosen, election, adoption, redemption, r- ransom, uh, marked, sealed, guaranteed in him. All of this keeps coming your way. And, and it's very difficult to try to keep it all straight. So we'll, we'll go a little bit slow, try to spend some time on it. The other thing that we're going to do as well, we've already um, kind of portioned the, the assignments out, is for the families, is we're going to have a family devo on the four big blessings that are given in this passage. And, and, and these are kind of... Now, there's the overarching idea... That you are blessed, right? I mean, Paul is making that clear. We're all so blessed because we're in God. But that's a general idea. It then gets divided into very specific areas. And also he's saying you're being blessed because you get grace. And so again, two very general ideas. You're blessed because of grace. Think of that as the big umbrella over this passage. You're blessed because of grace. And we'll talk about this later at the end. All of that blessing and all of that grace is given to you by a God who is just tickled to be able to pour it on and lavish it and give it freely and give it without measure uh, your way. But nonetheless, let's just kind of keep this straight, right? So this passage is first and foremost, you're getting a whole lot of stuff. This is an amazing deal. It's kind of like the infomercials that, you know, when there's nothing else on TV and you, you, you think... Oh my goodness, I'm getting these knives that can cut through cans and still slice a a tomato so thin that I can read my newspaper through it. And that's not all. And And that's not all does not end in this passage. And to make it even more difficult, it's one sentence, 202 words, one sentence in the original language. So it just keeps gushing our way. But if we were to slow down, And really try to look at, all right, what is under this big umbrella of blessing of grace that is given our way? Well, number one, it's we have been chosen. Number two, we have been chosen, but we've also been adopted. I'll talk about these for sure. Thirdly, although the word used here in the NIV is redemption through his blood, it's the literal word in the original language. For, uh, the base of it is lutron. It's the literal word of he's paid the ransom for you. So you've been ransomed. And then finally, it concludes with, and you've been marked. Marked how? Marked with a seal that is a guarantee that the promise of God is all you. And you are going to be dancing on streets of gold. When the new heaven and the new earth are finally brought together. 
guaranteed. All right, so it's, it's, it's those four things. You've been chosen, you've been adopted, you've been ransomed, and you have been marked. They're all distinct from one another, and they're all big time. But they're also pretty important because we want to expand our, let's say, milk, not solid food view of grace. And if we're gut level honest, the best we come up with with grace is um, kingdom kid good answers, right? It's, you know, getting what I don't deserve. Uh, it's unmerited favor, uh, even if you would say something like that. But, it, but it's, not, it's not much more than that. And if it gets more specific, it usually is limited to my sins have been taken away. And that's a big deal, but it's a definition of subtraction. And that's, 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 just, that's not just our culture, that's every church culture. Is their, their best of what they can kind of come up with oftentimes is that, well, at least all the disgusting, filth-defiling history of my life has at least that's been taken away. And, you know, for me, it's amen for that. But if that's all there is, then all I'm trying to do is get fired up about subtraction. And what's the great gift besides the fact that, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not in, you know, in the jailhouse or I'm not in the doghouse. And grace, if we're ever to get it and we're ever want to know the power of grace, you're never going to be able to walk around just fired up for subtraction. It's like, yes, I cannot wait to serve Jesus because I've been subtracted. This is great. I, I, you know, but, but it's a great subtraction. It's all the nastiness that, is, that has been purged away and, and amen for that. But to just be left empty is not the most motivating of all doctrines. And so that's why it's worthwhile on our part to really get the gospel of grace. And what is part of this overarching, remember the, the whole passage is the overarching blessings of grace. Years ago when I would talk about blessing, I used to always use the word hooked up. Because back then it didn't mean what it meant now, sadly. It just meant like, oh my goodness, we've, we've just been like totally set up for all kinds of success. And, and I've, if I've ever let the word come out of my mouth, that's what I mean, by the way. Uh, because I'm old, and that's what it meant years ago. So, but anyway, we've got this overarching setup for amazing success. That's not just a, a well, at least you're no longer this. So, for example, if, when we have... Um, uh, premarital counseling or, or even marriage counseling and we, we, we talk about all right, what, what is it that your husband can do to make you feel loved and if all the wife says is well if he would just stop doing this that would be a lot better you know, nobody walks away from that feeling great <laughs> from, from that situation and, and so we always have to make the rule it's not about what he needs to stop doing we, we get that and I think he gets that but what is it that he needs to start it's not just subtraction but it's about addition. And I, I think likewise, if all you're trying to do is kind of fire yourself up and, and kind of, you know, you beat yourself into excitement every day because I've been subtracted, it's not going to get you where the gospel was always meant to get you. And you're not going to be excited to run through walls for the, for the cause of Jesus Christ. But when we start to really meditate on all that has been our addition then this becomes a whole lot more clear why the grace of God has such power. And those things are chosen, adopted, ransomed, and marked. 
Now, ransom has a bit to do with subtraction. Uh, the others do not. But all of these things you'll notice in this passage is that we have all of these spiritual blessings, verse 3, in Christ. For we were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. Matter of fact, this stuff is so deep, it has been predestined through Christ, according to God's pleasure and will. It is, verse 7, in Christ that we have this ransom through his blood. Uh, later on, in, in verse 11, in Christ we were chosen. Uh, down in verse 13, you were also included in Christ. And that's when you were marked and you were sealed. So all along the way, every bit of this all has to do with being in Christ. And likewise, some people sometimes have issue with really deep words here like election or being chosen or even predestination. Well, those things are the case. But they're the case in Christ. I'll talk about it more. In, in Jesus, Jesus was chosen. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, Acts 2 tells us. Jesus was chosen as God's, not only as God's son, as he is part of the, the, the Godhead, of course, but, but he was also chosen for the great and special purposes that would be his, and the special prominence that would be his, even in his state when he became man. Uh, we're, we're, we're considered being adopted because that puts us in the same status as Jesus. That, that word adopted is a technical term which has everything to do with inheritance. It is the full technical rights of inheritance and all the privileges therein. Now, in the first century, inheritance is a little bit different than our idea of inheritance now. Our idea of inheritance now is, I'm going to get some money. And I hope it's liquid when it comes my way, so that I don't have to do too much to, to, to sell whatever that is that, you know, my second great aunt, uh, you know, happened to, to leave me in the will. Um, but in the first century, you normally received, and especially from a Jewish perspective, you received an inheritance that was oftentimes land. And it was yours then not to cash out. It was yours then to give you status and to give you a great responsibility that you are now the steward of this special possession. And it is yours, and we're trusting you with it, and now let's see how grand you can make it. So yeah, we've, we've been adopted, and we've got full-on rights. It's the same word that was used when Caesar, Julius Caesar adopted Augustus Caesar. And in, in that, that adoption was, was so strong that it was what allowed him to ascend to be the great emperor, to actually take the throne as he did, because it's this same word of adoption. We're not done with any of these words, by the way. We're going to have different um, lessons and, and, and devotionals on, on each of these. Um, and as a matter of fact, we've also set up to have a family devo, as I mentioned, on all four of these uh, particular lessons. They'll, they'll be and they'll all be up on the, uh, the epic page of the Hampton Roads site, that won't be up until this weekend, but, but it'll all be there for you to be able to, uh, to, to hold on to. Um, now, it's not just that we've been chosen. I mean, again, think of any time in your life where they've had to pick teams and you had to suffer the great indignity 
of being the last one picked. It's the worst feeling, right? But has there ever been a time where they were picking teams and you were the first one picked? I mean, that's, the, that's what is being conveyed here, is that, you know what? We're, we're about to throw down right now, and we're going we're gonna to choose sides for this, this game that we're about to have. And you know what? By far, but before anybody else, I want to make sure that on, 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 on my, uh, let's say, basketball team, that I want to have Bill Throne, right? Bill Throne, number one pick. You know, he gets the number one jersey and the hat, and he comes on down. Now, how differently will Bill assume to play as a number one pick versus a last pick? Right? He'll, he'll just assume it. Wow, I, I'm the number one pick. There's a lot on my shoulders here. I mean, he's really counting on me right now. That's the idea of chosen here. It is a precious, specific chosen that really is in, in sight as we have it. And when we're in Christ, that is ours. Adopted, I can't even do justice. We're going to have a couple of the families here that have adopted over the course of the next couple of midweeks be able to share about the, the precious depth of joy there is to see their family expanded through adoption and the depth of love that that added enrichment to their lives. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And again, we'll, we, we can only get to know it, I think, when we have someone that has been close enough to such a sacred and precious idea as adoption itself. But just know this, that's what God wants you to be able to sense and to feel. Not just subtraction, but you know what? You're the number one pick. And you have been adopted. Not just a pick to play, but a pick to be in the family. And then ransomed, this is all about the fact that you've decided to become captive to the will of Satan. You knew God's will, but you decided instead that you are going to indulge the flesh and align yourself with all that is darkness. And Jesus looks at you and says, George Hurd has got no hope, no hope at all of freeing himself from what it is that he has chosen. And even though he is showing no gratitude at all right now, and he's continuing to do what it is that he's been doing, I'm going to the cross for that boy. And I'm going to shed my blood. And it actually says that, that it's, it's through his blood of ransom that George is no longer held captive by his sin or by the power of, of Satan. It is a, a description of the, the greatest love and of the greatest price that God could ever come up with to show George just how much he's worth. Of all the things that puts a, a specific value on George or on you, rather than just subtraction, but a real value, this is the one. You're worth so much, God wants you to know, that he's willing to pay the blood of his son to show you exactly what your worth is. You've, you've seen the... Um, Movie after movie. I mean, how many movies have there been? More than, there's no way you could come up with all the movies where there's ransom negotiation that, that, that goes on. 
you know, and some of them are funny because, you know, they, they, they want to negotiate and lowball and, you know, you treat their, their child as if they're worth, you know, so much less than, than what the, the uh, ransomer is asking for along the way. And it, it almost seems absurd in some of the, the ways that they go about the ransom. Or in other cases, like, you know what? We, we, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We're not going to deal with a ransom whatsoever. I'm not even going to talk to them about that. That's, that's not God's attitude. He's not like, you know what? George got himself there. Too bad for him. He says, no, you know what? George got himself there. What's it going to cost? Oh, the blood of my one and only son who needs to be tortured uh, in order for this to all be ransomed. George is worth it. It's not even a second thought. That's the worth of George Heard. And that, that's what Jesus gave. It's, it, it's your worth as well. But then finally, this idea of being marked. Uh, look at it all the way down. This is an important one because it now includes the Gentiles. In verse 13, the most important words, I think, to the Gentile hearers of this letter, and you also, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. There is definite free will acting on your part here. You heard the gospel and you responded by believing. But when you did, rather than rejecting, when you decided, I'm going to trust in this over-the-top bargain that God is laying out for me here. The beauty of all this giving and grace and lavishing and uh, generosity that is being poured out. I'm going to trust that this is really the deal. And not kind of go my own way, but trust in this. And, and when you do, and you respond to that trust by, by uh, surrendering yourself through baptism into Christ, at that time, you then are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Any of you work in, uh, in some sort of an office place where there's a common refrigerator? Anybody? Anybody have that? So a, a lot of you. And has anyone ever eaten your food? Right? And you, you, you're not too happy about that, right? Especially with something you, you, you were kind of fired up about. So what is it that you do to make sure that nobody eats your food? You mark it. You mark it with a seal, hoping that that guarantees that it'll end up in your mouth. But it's just your power, and it's just your influence over the office place. But if in that refrigerator, your boss's boss's boss, and you knew his name, and everybody in the office knew his name, because it's the name on the side of the building... Right? And, and, and he, you know, he's the one who, who wrote his name down there. Right? And, and it's, it's, it's got his or her name on it at that point. Right? Mr. Dollar Tree. Boom. There, there it is. I, I don't think you're going to mess with that. And he also wants to make sure that you're not going to mess with that because he's got definite plans. For that. And, and, and it's not just Mr. Dollar Tree. And it's not just you marking something that you want to claim as your own. This is beyond Mr. Dollar Tree. 
This is Mr. Almighty. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the judge of all judges and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what you've been marked with and sealed with. And it's God saying to Satan, to the world, to all others, this one's mine. Tabby, that's God's. You boys who think he's... Get away from that. That's, that's Jesus's right there. Yeah, I don't care if her hair looks nice today. You're staying away. That is Jesus's bottom line. And I mean, that's how, how just like vehement... And, and the idea of a mark and a seal so strong that it's a guarantee, that's someone who is serious about this particular possession that, that would be his... You are that treasured possession. What only Israel was, that is who you are now. And the reason that you are this, and, and not, and again, these are just some of the aspects of the positive side of grace. But there's so much more that, that kind of goes into this. I mean, if we let this passage overwhelm us, not only are we forgiven, that's our basic view of grace. Not only are we forgiven, but we're also holy. We're made holy in His sight, it begins with. Not only that, but unblemished. That's the word used of the Passover lamb that Jesus was. Yeah. But guess what? Because you're in Jesus, that's also now how you're viewed. You're holy and unblemished. Yeah, but you don't know what I was looking at on the internet last night. You don't know the kind of flirting that just went on in my uh, afternoon today. You don't know what kind of anger I had on my drive over here. You don't know what it was like trying to get my kids into children's ministry tonight. And here's the hard part about grace. is It's so hard to accept the positives. But this is the part we've really got to trust. Even though you were that nasty in the line with your kid at children's ministry, you are still the unblemished lamb of God. In God's view. You are still holy. You still have that mark. You are still forgiven. You're still chosen. You're still adopted. This is the hard stuff that you've got to force yourself to accept. If we're ever going to really appreciate the fullness of the positive. Not just the subtraction. But the addition side of grace. And this passage just pours it on one after another. You are predestined. That's a scary word, right? It's like, whoa, wait a minute, what's God trying to do here? Is He even allowing me to have free will? You're predestined because Christ was predestined. You're predestined because all Israel was predestined. You're predestined because like all Israel, you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, all of these now are added to you. That's why you're holy and unblemished like a Passover lamb, as this passage makes clear, because you're in Christ. And... You are such, you're not some sort of a happy accident. You are part now of God's cosmic plan from before the ages. That He's always had eyes on you. You're that special. Why? Because you're in Christ. Once you're in Christ, all the benefits that are His are now fully, completely yours. And not just that, you are... What else popped up on there? I don't even know. Sealed. I mean, that's, the, that's what the mark does. The, the, the seal is as though you have now got a neon sign 
over your head. So that when, you know, like in, in Israel, you know, they had the seal of the blood over the doorposts. Showing that they trusted. And the, the angel of death came over all of Egypt and their, their firstborns. But the firstborns of Israel, they, they were fine. Uh, why? Because they had that, that neon sign over their doorposts. That seal is that same idea. That God has basically got a big neon sign over your head. And when the sky opens up as a scroll. And the myriads upon myriads upon myriads of angels. Which if you do the math. Numbers in about the trillion range. When Jesus and the voice of the archangel. Clouds open up as a scroll. He descends. And they come looking for who it is. That is going to be lifted up with him. Brought into glory into the clouds. And then brought back to the new earth. In a triumphal procession. It won't be difficult. Because you've got the neon sign of the Holy Spirit. No matter how bad your day was today. You still have the neon sign of the Holy Spirit. And you are holy and unblemished. And it is a guarantee of his promise. This is not... Best Buy giving you a guarantee. <laughs> or Sears, or Toyota, or God forbid, Volkswagen. <laughs> this is Jesus. Jesus not just saying, I would die for you, but I have died for you. You have responded. It's obvious you have. You've decided to trust in me. And... As difficult as it is, because you've had a bad day, I'm going over the top with all of this description because you've had a bad day. Because even on your worst day, I don't want you taking one step of insecurity. Because you're giving Satan a victory in that step. And that's why I'm going over the top here with the letter from the Holy Spirit to drive it on home over the top that don't take another step of insecurity, no matter how bad it was. You march to that throne of grace. You march into the light. You stride with your head held high because you've been marked, you've been guaranteed of the great promise that is God. And, and finally, you have the inheritance, which we've already talked about. And the reason that you or I can have all of this is because we heard the gospel of your salvation and we believed and as a result we are now in Christ. We are in Christ. All who have entered into Christ this is who you are. This is what you've got. I get it that it's hard. I get that for the moment right now, you feel like, oh, this is a cool. I think I'm feeling a little bit better about this. And guess what? Tomorrow you'll forget about it all and the best you'll have is subtraction again. That's fine. You've got to keep letting all of this wash over you. You've got to make sure that these are things that you don't let, let slip away. And if you can just remember the four things. I know they're all jumbled up on there. But we'll tell you, who, who can tell me one of the four things in the beginning that I talked about? I'll take hands instead of the... Go ahead. One. Chosen. You are chosen. Uh, yes. What was that? You're adopted. Yeah, very good. You, you are, so far, chosen, adopted, ransomed, and, and you are marked. You can kind of hold on to those 
and just really reflect on the depth of what each of those four things really does mean. By the way, we're not leaving them. We're going to keep reinforcing these ideas because the goal of this year is that we understand grace to the fullness of what it was meant to be understood. That we're just busting out with excitement about the security that we have because of this covenant of grace that is ours where you do feel like, man, I'm going to run through this wall for the sake of Jesus Christ. My goodness, what wouldn't I do? What can't I do given all that is mine rather than I've had some subtraction. Uh, I hope that'll get me riled up for another day. It won't do it. This will. That's why so much ink is given to the Bible of how much it is that has been given to us. So as, as we spend a moment now in our groups, it is 7.50, uh, which is our, will normally be our closing time. Let's spend until 8.15 really talking about how would a rock-solid, ironclad salvation guarantee from God change your service to Him. Let's go ahead and break to our groups.